Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Well, great to be here. You're listening to the News Roundup, all things impacting global supply chains this week. Well, I came across an interesting article by Paul Berger. He writes for the Wall Street Journal. And it was an article on electrical grid parts and the shortages, which are slowing down the development of truck charging points. As we move towards this electrified future, it means there's a growing demand for power and the infrastructure to support the growth of electric trucks, buses, and other forms of electric transport. And of course, fleet buyers are now having difficulties getting hold of enough charging points to make sure their fleets are operational. They can buy the vehicles they're being produced, and they can get hold of those quickly. But they can't get enough charging points. And this is all down to the fact that everybody needs power. There's a demand for growing power, semiconductor plants, data centers, and of course, other technology projects. So the rollout of heavy-duty electric trucks in the United States is slowing because of delays to get everything from parts to permits and the development of this crucial infrastructure. The suppliers making the equipment say that there's a shortage of transformers, switchgear, and electrical steel, and it's adding months to the time, to the lead time, to build charging facilities to power electric fleets. And it's because there are too many power-hungry renewable energy projects at data centers and semiconductor factories, which have all put extra pressure on production capabilities. So just as people are ready to make the switch to the green future, they can't do so easily because they can't get enough charging points for cars, buses and trucks. But they're being pressured to make the switch by federal and local governments, which are introducing emission rules and other regulations, which are designed to push and nudge people towards the greener future. For example, in California, they're starting to ban older diesel trucks from the 1st of January, and they want the new trucks to be fueled by clean energy. So you won't be able to use those dirty old diesel trucks to roll in and out of West Coast ports. And electric truck sales are increasing because of this, as companies replace the less clean fleet. In California, New Jersey and Texas, they're offering grants to offset the cost of building charging docks and to encourage people to buy electric trucks. And utility companies are already committed to large-scale projects to make the switch, but they can't get the necessary equipment to make the transition smooth. So the increased demand, the shortages in supply are all creating a perfect storm. There's difficulty in securing permits to get the power to a site and to get safety certification too. So it's proving to be a bigger challenge to install the necessary infrastructure. Electric trucks, of course, have a limited range and charges have to be located close to the ports or warehouse districts. And you have to get permits from the local power companies to make sure that there's enough electricity to do those power upgrades. So this increasing demand for electricity is adding to the pressure. So while people may be committed to going green, and they want to do that, and while people in companies want to switch their fleets over, if they haven't got the infrastructure, it's going to make life very difficult. And of course, the US government has put a lot of effort into developing semiconductor factories and renewable energy projects. And at the same time, we've got the rise of artificial intelligence 
and the expansion of smart devices in homes and businesses, which are all fueling extra demand for data centers too. So these large data centers are being built and they all require similar parts. So where will it end? Now, just as we've talked about the shortages of various resources to move to the EV green clean future that everyone desires, this week I read an interesting article talking about a supply chain glut as states splash cash on tech. And this was an article in Politico. It talks about, it's by Peter Hayek. And this was about a month ago when he wrote this article. It was late May. But I've only just come across the article and I thought I'd share it with you. And he says that for all the supply shortages in the global chip industry and the problems faced in the past few years with regard to disruption, the new funding opportunities provided by states could cause a glut. So yeah, could cause. What it'll cause is extra demand. Whether it causes a glut depends on supply. The United Kingdom was the latest to present a strategy in May and... About £1 billion was put forward, joining the European Union, United States, Japan and South Korea, which have put plans forward to spend billions of dollars, pounds, to secure the supply of microchips. And as we know, that's the power inside all EVs, all your smartphones, all kinds of sensor equipment, all kinds of tech needed to manage businesses, your homes and the economy. So all these public funds now being pushed in the direction of developing semiconductor technology. TSMC, these are the chip manufacturers, TSMC, Samsung and Intel, have committed to building new mega factories in the United States. And the US has put about $52 billion into that investment. In Europe, 43 billion euros is the headline figure. And Intel said it will invest 17 billion euros in German projects. TSMC are also interested in Germany. So the race is on and it's global and it's all to drive this chip industry. Taiwan wants to stay in the lead position. China tries to rail against US sanctions by developing its own industry. And Japan is also trying to ramp up the production of semiconductors. It's set to grow from about $600 billion to over $1 trillion dollars by 2030. Will there be a global glut? Well, maybe in the longer term, but certainly not in the short to medium term. That's my assessment. EVs account for more than half of the graphite mined. Vehicle manufacturers, including Tesla and Mercedes, are trying to lock in graphite supply from outside the dominant producer, which is China, as the demand for EV batteries is outpacing its use for the mineral for the first time. And this is because EV sales are on the increase. Automotive firms have been slow to actually plan for graphite shortages, and they've focused mainly on the particular metals, such as lithium and cobalt. But graphite is the largest battery component by weight, and it's produced in places like Madagascar and Mozambique, and that's where new production is taking place. But there are traditional producers in places like Sweden. EVs are going to account for more than 50% of graphite for the first time, and there are shortages of the material outside of China. And they'll be even more acute with the efforts to reduce reliance on China from the United States and Europe. So it's a real conundrum for automakers, and China 
supplies large quantities of graphite. The main use of graphite has been in the steel industry, but with EV sales set to triple by 2030 to 35 million vehicles from 2022, graphite shortages are being forecast and there's likely to be a deficit of 777,000 tonnes by 2020, according to Project Blue projections. About 12 billion US dollars of investment is needed by 2030 into graphite, and about 97 new mines will be required by 2035. That's according to Benchmark Mineral Intelligence. China currently produces 61% of natural graphite and 98% of the final processed material to make battery anodes again according to benchmark mineral intelligence so great reliance on china talga group based in sweden is hoping to supply automakers such as tesla toyota and ford as well as battery producers in sweden such as northvolt mercedes has said it's diversifying the sourcing of raw materials including graphite but it's not clear where they're actually going presently so there's a real race on to secure graphite for the future demand expected in the EV market. And China is still expected to control about 80% of production, even if new sources come on stream. So they're still going to be very dominant in that particular market. Natural graphite is about 55% less in carbon than synthetic graphite, which is made out of petroleum products. So they tend to be cheaper, the natural graphite anodes are cheaper, and they're beneficial, allowing cars to run further distances before charging. Another anode ingredient is silicon, of course, which also enables EVs to drive longer distances before recharging. The maximum amount of silicon added to batteries is about 10% at present because it expands during use and it can degrade the battery, so batteries can wear out faster. In the United Kingdom this week, the Consumer Price Index has held at 8.7% for May. It was forecast to drop to 8.4%, but core inflation is proving problematic. It's at its highest since 1992, around 7.1%. And core inflation is non-food, non-energy inflation. So we know about food and energy being problematic, but it's other things now too that are problematic. And this is likely to lead to a rate increase by the Bank of England on Thursday. Although inflation appears to be slowing, it's still very high, and the Bank of England is likely to raise the interest rate by a quarter or half a percent this week. It will be under pressure because of mortgage interest rates rising. Banks, of course, seem a little tardy in paying savings rates. They're keen to put up mortgage rates, the loan interest, quickly, but not the interest that they're paying out. And they're coming under more pressure to actually pay better savings rates. And although rising interest rates may bring down inflation, question is, will it bring it down enough and will the gain be commensurate with the pain? Food and drink price inflation dropped only slightly to 18.3% from April's high of 19%. So food inflation still particularly high and most people be well aware of that visiting the supermarkets for the weekly shop. Prices still going up. Although the CEO, one of the leading UK supermarkets, Tesco, has said that he sees the end in sight, so he's expecting prices to fall over the next few months. And of course, supplier agreements are agreed quarterly, so he'll have a very good picture, forward window, on what's going on. 
Germany's inflation is likely to be worse than expected. It's likely to contract more, the economy, than previously thought, as inflation becomes very sticky. Timo Wolmerschauser, IFO's head of economic forecasts, said the German economy is only very slowly working its way out of recession. German domestic gross product is expected to fall by 0.4% this year, which is more than the 0.1% forecast back in March. GDP across Europe is expected to rise by 0.6% and in the United States by 0.9%. German GDP is forecast to be 1.5% in 2024, down from the previous forecast of 1.7%. Inflation is expected to ease to around 5.8% in 2023 and down to only just 2.1% in 2024. Core inflation in Germany is around 6%, and it will fall back in 2024. So some sticky inflation figures hitting the German economy. Well, Las Vegas is the site of this week's biggest producer of lithium conference for EV batteries, held at the Fast Markets Lithium Supply and Battery Raw Materials Conference, Las Vegas, Nevada. With the demand for this white metal spiking, this should be an interesting conference. like to be a fly on a wall, wouldn't you, to hear what's said. But obviously this is a critical mineral, and uh, it's a gamble, isn't it? Sorry about the pun. Well, this is the 15th Lithium Supply and Battery Raw Materials Conference in 2023. It's an annual event, and it's the largest global forum for lithium and battery raw materials. Unmissable, it says on the website, an opportunity to access end-to-end coverage of the battery raw materials industry, including price, volatility, and supply chain risks, as well as battery recycling and innovation in battery chemistries. It's the biggest gathering of the global battery community, and it's designed to network with peers and connect with leaders in the industry. It has a jam-packed agenda for all those involved in production, procurement, and investment in battery raw materials. And the key speakers are all people involved with the industry, such as Helena Matza from the U.S. Department of State, Eric Norris, President of Energy Storage at Albanol Corporation, Tara Berry, Senior Group Manager of Battery Metals Recycling Components at Rivian, and Paramita Das, Global Head of Marketing Development and ESG Metals and Minerals, including battery materials for Rio Tinto. Dale Henderson, Managing Director and CEO of Pilbara Minerals Limited, Dr. Katharina Gerber, Account Development Specialist, Battery Technology Siemens, Andreas Munz, Battery Materials at Base, and Steve Felgus, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Land and Minerals Management, U.S. Department of the Interior. It was reported this week that a drought around the Panama Canal is causing problems for shipping moving through the canal because the water depth isn't deep enough for ships to pass through. And that's creating problems for one of the world's busiest routes from east to west and vice versa. The canal is just 50 miles or 80 kilometers in distance, but it's faced problems since the start of the year. And it was hoped that the Central American rainy season would ease the problem, but it hasn't. Container ships, oil tankers and other shipping all pass through the canal, which links the Atlantic Ocean with the Pacific Ocean and carries about 3.5% of global trade. Ships passing through at present either have to carry less cargo to make them lighter so they don't 
hit the bottom, or they have to shed weight to float lighter. So it's causing some real problems. The maximum draft is 44 feet. So far, ships seem to be managing to negotiate the route. It doesn't affect liquefied natural gas carriers because they typically have drafts up to 37 feet, so they're able to negotiate the pathway through easily. German economists have said Brexit has been an economic disaster for trade and investment between the United Kingdom and Germany, and it's led to a fall in German direct investment in the UK. And the UK has declined as a trading partner. Volker Trier, head of foreign trade at the German Chamber of Commerce and Industry, said that Germany exported goods worth 73.8 billion euros. That's about 80 billion US dollars to the UK. And that's 14.1% less than in 2016, which was the year that the referendum took place with regard to the UK leaving the European Union. It was Germany's third most important export market, but by 2022, it slipped to eighth place, according to Trier. When you take into account exports and imports, the UK lost even more importance by dropping from fifth to eleventh place. And the volume of direct investment in the UK has declined, so Germany is not investing as much in UK businesses as it did previously. In 2021, it was around €140 billion, which is down 16.1% compared with 2016. There are 2,163 German companies active in the UK, which is 5.2% fewer than in 2016. Many British companies are in Germany. German Trade and Investment, an organisation that helps international companies set up business in Germany, has counted more than 1,000 new businesses entering Germany since the Brexit vote. According to German Trade and Invest, they say that last year 170 new businesses that set up in Germany was only surpassed by companies coming from the United States and from Germany's near neighbour, Switzerland. Well, the Bank of England has pulled out its blunt instrument of raising interest rates once more, and they've gone up by half a percent as forecast earlier in the week, and they now stand at 5% in the UK. And this is to bring down interest rates, and they still have this ridiculously low target of 2%, and everybody knows that that isn't going to make a jot of difference. It will certainly lower inflation a little bit, but of course you can listen to my earlier comments on this right throughout the year. Bank of England was too slow to raise interest rates early, to head it off at the pass, and now it's still not taking account of circumstances. It's lowering the inflation, or trying to, by using this blunt instrument of raising interest rates. And that could damage the economy quite seriously, and it'll drive it to recession. And everybody thinks that that's a likely outcome. And we could be heading back to stagflation, because if it doesn't work, earlier in the year we've had, or earlier in the past 12 months or so, we've had quantitative easing, which was putting a lot of money into the economy. Now we've got quantitative tightening, which is taking some money out of the economy. And combined with interest rate rises, that could be heading for a perfect storm. So let's see what happens next. I think that one of the things that will happen as these interest rates bite home is that the cost of living crisis will get worse 
for many people. And those who haven't got fixed mortgages will have to pay considerably more for their home loans. And that could actually drive people out of their homes. And they'll be trying to trade out of those homes in a market that's depressed, where prices won't hold up. And so they'll actually get less for the homes. So we might be back to the bad old days where people don't get any equity out of the sale of homes. And that would be disastrous for the economy and for the people involved. So we could be heading there. We could also be heading for a lot more labour strikes, more disruption, because people will be asking for more money to pay the costs that have just been ramped up by the Bank of England. So I think we're headed for trouble either way. And I think if we go into recession, the difficulty is always how to get out of recession. And that will be a far bigger headache than inflation. Much bigger. I've even heard people talking about recession would be no bad thing this week. Well, that's complete nonsense, I'm afraid. As people have less spending power, that means consumption should go down. If consumption goes down, of course, that's not good news for firms supplying goods because it means that demand for those goods will drop and that might mean they'll have to lower their prices and their cost base will be getting higher too with the interest rates and the cost of capital rising. So it's quite a problem and it could really spiral up. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. to the Chain Reaction Podcast, written, presented, and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. Now we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.